0: Hello, welcome to Rise and Thrive podcast. I'm Erin Warhol. And today we're releasing one of our early conversations on this podcast back when it was called Life Gets Better Now in our first season. It's called Church or No Church, Spirituality and Religion, What's the Difference? So please enjoy this conversation with Mary Hayes Greco and me. Thanks. (music) Thanks.
1: It's been a long, long
0: Welcome to the Life Gets Better Now podcast with Mary Hayes Greco. On today's show, we continue our Kitchen Mystics series with an exploration of spirituality versus religion. I'm producer Erin Warhol, and I'm here with author and spiritual teacher, Mary Hayes Greco. Hi, Erin. Hi, Mary. Well, I'm, I'm eager to dig into this. I, I really enjoyed our last discussion, and I, I had some light bulbs go off for me about what a kitchen mystic is. And you is. came out
1: of the closet. I came, I'm a, a kitchen mystic. You are indeed a kitchen mystic. You <laughs> well, want... and
0: I love the term. You coined it, and it's also the, it's one of your books is The Do Kitchen Mystic, A Companion for Spiritual Explorers.
1: Thank you. Uh, but I didn't coin it. It was given to me. Oh. while I was sitting in a really darn good meditation one day oh, after I had written 11 or 12 of these essays. And I was thinking, <laughs> gee, I wonder if I'm writing a book. I don't know. <laughs> and in this meditation, I look, like movie credits, these words scroll down from oh, the I top of my The Kitchen Mystic. And I slapped my hand on my knee and said, Oh, that's a good title. <laughs> that's how it happened.
0: Well, yeah. I love it. And we've we've been talking about it and about how... There's a group called the nuns, which are not the nuns. Not Catholic nuns. Right. But the nuns are people who, when they're asked on a questionnaire, do you have a religious preference, they check the box that says none, N-O-N-E. Yes. And this group is
1: growing. And yet they are spiritual. They describe themselves as spiritual, yet not religious. And this is a growing portion of the population, 18% of the population Mm -hmm. these days. And uh, I know my publisher once quoted some outrageous number of because their books, the the books of Beyond Words, goes out to the nuns, the spiritual but not affiliated people, and they mm-hmm. said, oh, you know, there's sixty thousand people, or what? I don't think there's a lot of people out there who are dedicated like you are, mm-hmm. who are serious about their growth, who are practicing mm-hmm. um, certain spiritual practices, who are walking into every day like like. A, uh, a, like a light mm-hmm. wanting to be a light in the mm-hmm. world and wanting to cl- you know clear and fan and cultivate that light into a a sturdy flame of love
0: oh, that's yes <laughs> that's us
1: We're this we're all out there doing it we're, we're in every country We're we're everywhere and so um i love discovering um my new friends out there yeah the nuns the kitchen mystics
0: yeah, so I want you to go a little deeper into that. Um, well, first, let's. Do you have something you want to read from the book? I would love to hear it to kind of set up the conversation that we're going to have.
1: Here. Yeah, I I thought I would read a bit about um, my definition of spirituality as Perfect. opposed to religion. And, you know, this was something that I was noodling on. I'm kind of a philosopher at heart, and I just I just really have to chew on a bone until I understand <laughs> it. You know, I'm like, what is the difference? <laughs> and, <clears throat> and at the time that I was writing this, my spirituality was just opening up like crazy. I, I could really feel this, these wings unfolding and this desire to... Um, to go there where wherever there is. I yeah. think you know, enlightenment is, is one word for it. But I was kind of banged up and crippled from some um, abuse I had experienced in my church background. And I know I'm not the only one who has been turned away from God for a while because of experiences they had in their schools or churches that in mm. the in the name of religion. So so I was healing my little banged up self around that and I said, well, okay, well you know what? I'm I'm starting fresh here. I'm defining for myself what is spirituality, and I'm going to live it. So here we go. What's the distinction between spirituality and religion? Most people don't believe there is one. Yet all of us have known loving, gentle souls who never entered a church in their lives, as well as unkind, cruel people who went to church every Sunday. Religions, in and of themselves, do not necessarily produce spiritual people and people can grow and have spiritual lives whether they ever set foot in church or not. My definition of spirituality is the cultivated awareness that I'm an individual expression of an immortal being whose nature is love and peace and creativity. My second definition is spirituality is Becoming fully present Mm. to myself, to others, to the natural world, and to spirit. Whatever I understand that to be. To become full of loving and vital presence to all of that at once. Mm. That's the spiritual state of being.
0: That's beautiful.
1: So spirituality is a being thing.
0: yeah,
1: And it's a cultivated thing, meaning we're growing it like a gardener. Cultivates a garden. We pull out weeds, we uh, plant seeds, we water them, we uh, fertilize it and and we harvest it. It's really like that uh, relationship with the earth, only it's in our spirit. So um, spirituality is as individual as and and unique as there are individuals on the mm. planet. And just like last week, when you were talking about how you uh, you know, you have your deal that you do. You yeah. you do the Lord's prayer in bed, and then you get glimpses of light throughout the day, yes. and you you do the dishes mindfully. You yeah. have your your own practices that um, each one of us can craft our own uh, way of doing it, and then each one of us has um, our unique mystic experiences that are given to us by our soul, by our higher power bling, in a moment. Mm-hmm. And and those moments that we get, those moments where we go, ah, and we feel the complete connection to everyone and everything, and we feel the bliss of that, and we feel the humility of of being truly a, a child of the universe. Those mystical moments are, are given to each one of us, our very own, our very own special ones. And over time, we craft our own... Um, Cosmology
0: oh that 's very rich mary thank you um, and, I, and i as i 'm thinking about this too i 'm also thinking that for some people, they get that through their religion
1: yes and and they are very lucky they're very fortunate um, it 's not to say that you know religions don 't cultivate spirituality i 'm going to read a little bit now okay. about the idea of of that um,
0: And this is from the New Kitchen Mystic? This is from the New
1: Kitchen Mystic. It's from the piece, the essay in here that's called Spirituality and Religion. Religion can be our path of spiritual exploration. It provides us with community, rituals, rules, limits, mythology, inspired writings, spiritual practices, and models of spiritual mastery. Every true religion has a wellspring of transforming spiritual energy. A living religion is whole and internally consistent. There's an overall balance and integrity to this path that brings depth and richness to the sincere seeker as they mature. Many people take part in religious rituals because they are expected to, socially. Some people are ready to do more spiritual work, while others observe from a safe comfort zone. There's nothing wrong with either choice. Onlook- onlookers can glean spiritual benefit from observing religious community. Everyone proceeds at his or her own pace. And then I, I tell the story here about um, what a what a uh, interesting thing it was to watch a relative of mine, a, yo- a younger cousin. Uh, choose a religious path that was completely different than the one she'd been raised in. Oh, really? Because she had been raised um, Catholic, and we'd all been raised Catholic, and some of us maintained our rich connection to that. Some of us found it was just dead as tombs and left it completely. Mm -hmm. Others dipped in and out of it. There was all these different choices that were made in the fabric of my community, which is quite large, I'll say. My <laughs> Irish Catholic Society on the south side of Chicago, we have pretty a pretty big bunch of relatives. And you see lots of people making different choices yeah. about how they're Catholic. And from, for myself, I call myself a, a mystical Catholic because I'm very close to Mother Mary and mm-hmm. to Jesus, but I don't go to church because I'm just mad about that Woman and priesthood thing, Aaron, and they're just not going to have me back again until the next good pope does something about all these 100% male leaders that they have. So I, mean, I can't do the church thing, but I do the mystical thing. I do I Jesus and Mary, okay? Yeah. But I had a young cousin who had just no, not been relating to being Catholic for a long long time and she fell in love with a wonderful person who was uh, her teacher and a Muslim scholar oh really a, yeah a a writer and a scholar mm-hmm. of Islam and she fell in love with Islam and uh, she married him and converted uh, so she was she's been living for I don't know 30 40 years now um, as a Muslim in in Chicago and and mm-hmm. it it caused this amazing uh, tidal wave of consternation right. and and dismay and interest and curiosity yeah. in the family because be, because she di- she's doing the whole thing she's very traditional, you know she, she does um, the practices she dresses like that she's she you know uh, she's living it and and so I I went to go visit her um, after a while and I just really enjoyed being in her home and feeling the holiness. That was there, and feeling the center and the grace that she had created as a convert, yeah, in in her new religious path.
0: Well, how wonderful! Even though it was challenging for some of your family members, for you to get to witness your cousin's
1: new faith and her her unfolding new practices. It was fabulous because uh, I, I I've always. Liked and respected her, so I knew she wasn't being crazy. I yeah. knew that probably whatever she was doing probably had some integrity to it. Yeah. But what's challenging at the time was I, I was really a flaming feminist, uh-huh. as were a few of my other uh, female relatives. And we were really disturbed because oh. we interpreted a lot of the lifestyle, mm-hmm. you know, that um, a Muslim woman would be doing as you know uh, archaic or mm-hmm. just you know sexist or whatever. And so I was a little just worried about that part. So uh, I was glad to um, spend some time with her. I'm going to just read about that. Okay. Betsy wholeheartedly embraced her new religion to to the dismay of her Catholic relatives and feminist friends. We shuddered with horror at her new practices, her head veiled, disappearing for prayers throughout the day and accepting her defined role as wife and mother with complete surrender. Her social circle initially dwindled to practically nothing, but then expanded into the Muslim community, where her lifestyle was understood and accepted. I was intrigued and went to visit her. Betsy and I spent a good part of the day together in her small, sunny apartment with our children. We talked about religion and our spiritual experiences. We wiped noses and made peanut butter snacks, apparently a universal concept (laughs) for the children. At precisely noon and precisely three, she disappeared for a few minutes of devotional prayer in the direction of Mecca. She moved in her contained world with quiet grace and serene eyes, and she demonstrated endless patience with her sticky, boisterous toddlers. She was happy. It was one of the most peaceful afternoons I had spent in a while, and as I took my leave, my heart was full and rosy. I had been spiritually fed all day by a palpable glow of love and light that was established in the circle of their home. That day, I enjoyed the mundane tasks of motherhood in a way my feminist sensibilities had not allowed me to before.
0: And, you know, you touch on some points there about when people have a problem with... Maybe the dogma of a religion or their perceptions of what it's about—that can actually be a barrier, not just to that practicing that religion, but also just spirituality in
1: general. I think so. I, I think judgment is a barrier. Yeah, okay. you know, and I think that's where religions really get off the rails. Like, no matter what mm-hmm. religion it is, is if they are teaching us to judge each other and to uh, be righteous and think that we've got the one right way. Mm -hmm. And that is really the ultimate bummer, I think, in terms of how religions shoot themselves in the foot because Mm -hmm. they become so um, invasive and annoying to people around them that aren't practicing exactly what they're practicing.
0: But I think... I've heard you talk about this too with people that have been in your circles or come to you to learn about forgiveness or something. Sometimes they've been they felt really harmed by a particular religion and how it showed up in their lives. And so then what what do you say about that? How do you, how do pe-
1: do people have to heal that or what do you I think that is an obstacle for a lot of us. I think a lot of people felt harmed by um, those judgments or those punishing ways mm-hmm. or the sexism in the mm-hmm. religion. Like I just felt really very harmed by the um, the sexism in the Catholic religion. Mm. And I, I can remember distinctly a time that I, it, it really felt like a big wounding in my life when I must have been about, oh, I don't know, fifth or sixth grade. And I was such a good girl, Erin. I was so <laughs> good. You should have seen me. I mean, I just really was a sincere... Earnest spiritual kid, and I really wanted yeah. to to be a good person, and I wanted to grow up and be a saint. And <laughs> I went to church when I didn't have to, you know. Oh, I, I I read the Bible for fun in the summer, you know, and I I thought about spiritual things, and and I remember going to church before school, and um and standing there in the early morning and really listening to the priest, like listening with my whole my whole heart, because I was so so. Questing at mm-hmm. that time, and from the pulpit, he said a really derogatory thing about women. Really, yeah. From the pulpit, he said he made some kind of joke about the inferiority of females, mm-hmm. and that's why you know we're not in priesthood and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And thank goodness. And he made this like sexist, not funny wisecrack. Uh-huh. You know, as a leader of my church, to my sincere little heart, heart self, and I really felt like a knife had been plunged. Really? into my belly. I mm. felt so hurt by that. And I remember just closing down and I didn't know where to close down. Am like, I going to close down towards the church, towards God, towards myself as a woman? There was just this like, ugh, this pain, this yeah. close down that happened. And it happened in a moment. And I felt like it, it affected me for years. And I began just turning away from, um, from that path and being lost for rather a while, and as I made my way back to spirituality, I had to heal my my um, uh, problems with my church mm-hmm. just to open up again. Just to yeah, open up to God again. It's because you do throw the baby out with the bathwater sometimes when you when yeah. you, you turn away from an abusive church situation, and then you've also turned away from God because you don't you haven't like
0: right stepped and I,
1: into a new new it, place.
0: I wonder about that because when you're trying to heal something or trying to make your life work, and we talked about this in the last podcast, for me, my connection to spirituality came via wreckage, you know, like life's not working. Oh, no, what do I do? And I think for a lot of people that are struggling with different problems in their lives, I, you know, you maybe I hear them talk and go, oh, you know, I wonder if they have a spiritual connection and then i hear nope they don't they or they've shut that down because of some you know bad thing that happened in and a their struggle and some, is so yeah. much worse and i think okay how do you overcome that because when we talk about the spiritual connection it's there for us to help us thrive you know that's what it's about but talk a little we bit needed, more about like, what it's you've, like
1: air it's like it's yeah. like lifeblood it's like air yeah i know i was just teaching yesterday in a treatment center and um you know, there's talk about wreckage. The the counselors in this uh, treatment center are dealing with people at the absolute bottom of their lives and they've just wrecked everything and they're just, you know, shaking off the the, uh, alcohol fumes and trying to get their heads on straight. And the Really the thing that is going to bring them forward mm-hmm. is their relationship with a higher power mm-hmm. and that's why the twelve steps call it a higher power because right. there's so many wounded people out there that need God yeah that need spirit and have closed it down yeah because of of uh, painful um, training in in religion and or or just a, a basic not trust in in uh, something that you can't see. But but the counselor was one of the counselors was asking me, God, how do I talk to my people who just don't have a spiritual connection? They need it. It's gonna help them. It's gonna make them Yeah go take the next step and they're not going there. How do I help them want to? She was asking you yeah, about it. She this. was asking me. What did you tell her? What did I tell her? <laughs> I, I made it up in the moment. I said, Hmm. Well, you know you can invite them to uh, the data, mm-hmm. the information that the people that do manage to sober up and stay sober and do manage to reinvent their lives have done it because they found a spiritual uh, source. Yeah, and and that that's what works. It does. It doesn't work if you don't do it. So your choice is kind of like, well, are you going to like look for a model of spiritual? Um, source that works for you, or are you going to struggle along? What would yeah. you like to do? And, you know, um, they, I said, I said, you, you can just invite people to work with a visualization. Visualize a light over your head. Mm-hmm. Just visualize a light shining over your head that has wisdom and calmness in it. And when you're about to just go nuts, pause for a minute and breathe and ask up. Into that light over your head, kind of oh. like the little light bulb over your head yeah. in a cartoon. Yeah, just ask up, ask the light over your head what to do, how to be, how to proceed. And, you know, it's just a visualization, but it also works. Mm-hmm. It also works to pause and say, ah, there's something, quote, higher, meaning there's something vibrating higher than me at this moment. And we would just visualize that light over the head as the higher self, the soul, the higher power. And Um, defer to it every now and then. Great.
0: That was great advice. So I want to ask you some more questions about kind of the difference between belief and direct experience of the divine. Mm -hmm. But first, I want to acknowledge our sponsors. Yes, let's do that. (laughs) Let's do that. This podcast is brought to you by the energy and attitude of unconditional love. Unconditional love is there for you. It's
1: in abundant supply and it wants you to thrive. Mm-hmm. And by the new definition of forgiveness, forgiveness is releasing an expectation that's causing you to suffer. Tell somebody who's suffering. <laughs>
0: Well, and Mary, in the work that you've been doing with the Midwest Institute for Forgiveness Training and in your books, we've been reading today from The New Kitchen Mystic, a companion for spiritual explorers, but your other book is Unconditional Forgiveness, A Simple and Proven Method for Forgiveness Training. And all of those different areas of your life, you're trying to really help people connect to spirit.
1: Yes. And sometimes people have to forgive God. Yeah, they they have an issue with God. Yeah, they have to, and it's actually a concept that we're forgiving because you know we don't have to forgive God. God is just fine (laughs) without us doing anything at all. But we have a concept of God um, that is causing us to be turned away or, or suffering. And if you do forgiveness towards that, you open up your new relationship. With God,
0: and I just want to say, you're not trying to convince people to believe one thing or another. And you were you were saying that's part of the distinction between spirituality and religion.
1: Yeah, the spirituality is individual, mm-hmm. and it can draw upon different gifts and practices and um, beliefs, um, notions from different different religions, different um, ways of of walking, and synthesize your own your own you know pleasant recipe for uh, spiritual growth um, and it's also this this attained state of mind that comes from these individual spiritual experiences you've had over the years mm-hmm. they create a sense of I, I know what I know I know what's true
0: so Mary I'm curious then how did you go about healing your your wound with your your church of origin when when you were so hurt by the words of the priest from the pulpit?
1: Well, I just knew that I needed to uh, make a turnaround, Mm -hmm. that I had been uh, turned away from God for too long, and I knew that my spirit, my soul was courting uh, this whole new existence, and it was was like tapping my shoulder insistently, like, take care of that, come on, let's go, come on. And I I just had that feeling, so I remember um, just feeling this plug of anger this anger in my heart. And um, I went upstairs one day to the attic when nobody was home, and I just had it out with mm-hmm. God. I just had it out with God the Father, in quotes, as I pictured him. Mm-hmm. I pictured him like this, you know, stern old man on a cloud, you know, with the beard, you know, Jehovah, looking down at you and shaking his finger at you and saying, bad girl. It was kind of laced with shame and punishment and, and, you know, this petulant, weird, jealous version of God, I never understood that. So I was just ticked off at him. I thought, I do not want, you're not my God anymore. You're just not. Mm-hmm. I began yelling at God the Father in the attic one day, and I said, you know what? I I don't like you. I don't like you. I don't like you. I don't like the all this misogyny in your churches. I don't like, you know, how... how small you feel and like blah blah I don't know I, was, I can't remember what I was saying it was stream of consciousness yeah you know, letting um, it rip I, I don't like how you don't like girls and women and I actually I hate you sometimes I just you know because you could say anything to God it's got vast patience it doesn't really care <laughs> you know so I told I told him off Aaron. I told him I told him what for and it, something interesting began to happen after a while because I was like, sort of stomping around, yeah. waving my hands at the ceiling and pointing and crying um, mm-hmm. for about 20 minutes. And uh, this is kind of the average amount of a good emotional vent I've mm-hmm. found in, in all these years of doing forgiveness work. A good emotional vent is about 20 minutes long. So I was doing that for about 20 minutes. And then I began to become aware of this presence mm-hmm. with me. There yeah. was this presence like all around me there was this awareness of someone watching me with great love watching wow. me with tremendous acceptance cherishing unconditional love and regard like i was like an adorable daughter mm-hmm. and it was it was god the father it was god the father i was feeling really yeah it was it was a, it was masculine it was a masculine yeah. Uh, presence of God but it was so kindly mm. and it was so so accepting that I, it began seeping into my my mind and began going oh oh okay I remember you oh yeah you're I remember you it's like <sighs> I had I had stomped out and cried out the hurt that came from the human institutions yeah. that delivered a really punishing mean shamey version of god the father to me that was gone that fell away but the energy of that aspect of god was there all around me it was very nice mm. and i was good and then a few days later well i had to have it out with jesus too mm. you know i went back up to the attic when no one was home and i stomped around and i had it out with jesus I was yelling at him and crying and stomping and saying, and why did you have to die for me? I never asked you to do that. Oh, my God, who asked you? And all these years of feeling guilty about that, at Good Friday, and la, la, la. I was just like having this big fit uh, at Jesus about, you know, how much, you know, trouble that's been. And, and <laughs> what is this thing you said you're the only way, you know, and your churches are going around saying that everyone has to be Christian. I hate that about you. I was saying all that stuff, and then... I began to feel this presence with me. Really? It was all around me, and it was warm, mm. and it was mm, it was rich and humorous, yeah. and it was friendly. And it was Jesus. It was the energy of Jesus, and I, I recognized it. I knew it. I re- recognized it from when I was little, before I got all torqued by church experiences and school, Catholic school experiences. I re- recognized this very pure, serene, uh, friendly Jesus that I knew. And I'm like, oh, I remember you. I remember you. Oh, oh! I missed you. Uh, Here I was walking around being all, you know, crusted over and (laughs) damned up, and not able to feel you because I've been mad at the churches. So I got I got my my good relationship with Jesus back, and I went one step further and I told this story a few a few uh, times back, where I just said, you know, I I am I am a flaming feminist at the moment, and (laughs) I just I, I love you guys, but. I, I can't do the, the, the guy thing. I can't do the male thing right now. I need I need my, my God to be uh, at least neutral, yeah. at least gender neutral. <laughs> and that's when I went to the woods and I had this outrageous experience with a spider that came and walked on my shoe. And I had this oh, I amazing story. kind of mystical experience with a spider in the woods, which was quite <laughs> quietly dramatic and, and neutral, but it did give me again, a another solid mystical understanding of that yeah. I'm connected yeah. to everything. I'm so connected to, to, to absolutely feel everything. That. Yes, and that it's good, that it's connected to me, and it wishes me well.
0: I love that. I love hearing you talk about that and kind of sharing like across the spectrum of your anger or whatever it is. Because it it tells me that a lot of it, too, is what we bring to it. Mm -hmm. And maybe we're going into a church and going, there's nothing here. Or maybe we're going into some kind of place of worship and going, I don't feel it. But maybe we're the one who has turned away from it
1: maybe we have some kind of obstruction or yeah. veil or, or fear yeah. or, or holding back And maybe it, it, it is hard because it's almost like falling in love you know mm-hmm. it's almost like Meeting someone who might be your soulmate, and are you going to like let go and surrender to yeah. this deeper space together? Are you just going to be up? Or are you going to just date and, and then you know yeah, say, "Well, that was nice. Goodbye. Like, yeah, moving I'm moving to uh, Seattle." Well, it, you know, it
0: reminds me, Mary, when we, you were doing that teaching at the Basilica, they were they had you come in and do a, a forgiveness workshop several mm-hmm. Sundays in a row, and I came along. And that very first day we went there, do you remember that we were supposed to meet our contact there, and so we and were we were, early. by the way,
1: teaching into a, an uh, upset community Right, the, it's the largest Catholic church in Minneapolis, and there was an awful lot of um, pain. Cl- clergy abuse um, yeah. stuff in the air and some lawsuits going on about priests who had been pedophiles. So real betrayal and disappointment and pain and anger in the Catholic community, so they um, had me come and do a forgiveness course there with the idea of bringing some medicine to that issue
0: and what I remember about that first meeting because we i i hadn't ever gone along with you on a workshop like this, and I was a little nervous and you know we walk into this incredible building this beautiful basilica and we remember we had to sit next to the choir loft. We had to wait. wait
1: to meet the, um, the uh, adult ed person who was going to open up the room for me and all of that. We had to wait yeah. right next to the yeah right behind the altar under this dome <laughs> next to the choir. It was stunning. It was so beautiful.
0: There was light streaming in through the stained glass windows. The choir was there practicing. We heard this incredible music. And they sounded music. like angels. They did. And we were sitting there and we had this most... Mo- I had a, mo- a very moving experience. We were transported
1: just, by that yeah. good, pure, clean, yeah. Catholic, Christian, holy worship energy right. that was there.
0: And near the end of our workshop, which was wonderful, we met a bunch of really wonderful people, we went for the Good Friday service. Oh, <laughs> And that was an incredible service. I had never been to a Catholic church on Good Friday, and it was just... It was amazing. But I was thinking, okay, what did I bring to this different? How did I experience this different than I might have if I were just had my arms folded and wasn't sure about this?
1: Yeah, you came in as you do when you choose to go places, very open. Yeah. Very open and... um, uh, Honoring. We're very honoring of, well, what's this experience going to be? So you had a good one. Oh, we had a great time. Yeah. (laughs) And you know, this reminds me (laughs) uh, that, you know, I talked about earlier on about how there's this tremendous synthesis going on of people outside of churches that are kind of bringing together their own practices, their own ways of walking. But I noticed on the Good Friday service at the Basilica a synthesis of uh, things coming into the church from outside that were very powerful. There was, um, actually had some drumming.
0: Right. As part of the Good
1: Friday service, yeah. they had this very shamanic, powerful drumming that went on and yeah. and, then, and then passing uh, the cross around through the whole congregation over our heads, passing it one to another. And at the very end, when the blessing came, they released from the top of the dome, rose petals came drifting down through this amazing, huge, dim, womb-like space, the rose petals pouring down onto the altar. It was epically beautiful. (laughs) It was so beautiful. Yeah. And so, you just can't top that. (laughs) Can't top a good <laughs> so, a good holy progressive Catholic church for amazing <laughs> ritual. Yeah, and the yeah.
0: incense. It it was yeah it was across. It the was board. A, it was wonderful. Well, okay, so our conversation now, this kitchen mystic conversation where we're talking about spirituality versus religion. I'm sort of taking from that that this isn't like one is in one direction and one is in the other. They're connected and you can have religion with or without spirituality and you yes. can have spirituality with or without
1: religion. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's really it's really you have to follow your own feet, mm. your own soul's calling and it's also where you live. It's like what's here? What's available? Yeah. I mean, we live in a place that is just really uh, thick with both traditional and non-traditional yeah. options all over the place. It's like the banquet here. You know, you could you can have anything on your plate that you want, but there's other places where the, um, the uh, options are more limited and, and you might need to be more private if you're Mm not uh, in a traditional um, church. You might need, might need to be more private about some of your practices, but I just have a lot of confidence that um, there's just that we're in a time of tremendous synthesis. There's just a lot coming together. And I think I want to close um, our talk today with, an idea of synthesis that I experienced um, after I did my healing. After I went to the attic and I yelled at God, the Father, and Jesus, and <laughs> and I went to the woods. That I met the spider, and uh, you know, uh, was really healing that that problem I had about um, my upbringing. I went on retreat at a Franciscan uh, retreat center, and it was run by two Catholic nuns, and they're very different than the nuns in first grade that would you know be whacking me on the on the head or making me stand in the corner or were just so, so overwhelmed by their situation and, and by, the, um, by the tyranny of the institution that they were in. So here's a moment for you. Recently, I went on a lovely retreat to a small Franciscan center run by two Catholic nuns. As I sat in their cozy living room by the fire, my eyes and my heart found rest in the pictures of Jesus and Mary that hung on the walls. The sun shone like fiery jewels through a round stained glass window that depicted a female form holding up the moon. As one of the sisters moved quietly through the room, I caught the wholesome scent of almond fragrance and sesame oil. She had just given a therapeutic massage. I did not hear the click of swinging rosary beads as I used to in school, but I was reminded still of those nuns of my childhood. As I sat there, I thought of them in a new way. I thought of them with love. They were women with ideals and personal discipline. They were women living in community. I remembered how hard they had worked to instill the strength of religion in my soul. I realized with amazement that they had succeeded. I watched this modern sister go to the bookcase and pick up her mother Peace tarot cards. She was going to her room to meditate near her statue of St. Francis. I watched the fire in the silent sunlit room and realized I was home.
0: Beautiful. Thank you, Marian. That was from The New Kitchen Mystic, one of your books, mm-hmm. a companion for spiritual explorers. You've been listening to the Life Gets Better Now podcast with Mary Hayes Greco, thanks to our sound engineer Daniel Zamzow. and for the Life Gets Better Now podcast, I'm producer Aaron Warhol,
1: and I'm Mary Hayes Greco. You just kick that door.